Dad, I'm broke. Hey, broke. I'm Dad. Dad. Okay, don't you have cash saved up from babysitting? No, I spent it. I want my own bank account from S&T Bank. They offer free ATMs, Zelle, and an annual scholarship. Plus, when I open a Smart Start checking account, I get $100. See? I'm responsible. Hey, responsible. I'm Dad. Visit stbank.com slash smart start for details. Bonus available July 1st through September 30th, 2022. Opening deposit balance of $50 required. Member FDIC. Welcome to an all-new season of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. This season, we're diving into some of the most unusual missing person cases from the shocking disappearance of Charlie Ross to the American Diatlov Pass disappearances. Hello, and welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. I'm your host, Larry Lace. And on this episode of Murder Monday, we're discussing the murder of Missy Bevers. In the early morning of April 18th, 2016, Missy Bevers, a wife and mother of three, was brutally attacked and killed at Creekside Church of Christ, located in Midlothian, Texas. She arrived at the church at 4.16 a.m. to set up for a 5 o'clock fitness class that she led. The motion-activated cameras inside the church first captured Missy entering the building around 4.20, and it wasn't until 5 a.m. when two 911 calls were made to the police from a couple of the class attendees. When police and EMTs arrived, the 45-year-old was pronounced deceased. The cause of her death is reportedly due to puncture wounds in the head and torso area, while official reports also suggest that the gun was used later. When surveillance footage was viewed by investigators, police witnessed the only footage of the killer they have still to this day. At around 3.50 a.m., as you can see behind me, someone broke into the church in full SWAT or tactical gear with the word police on the clothing and can be seen on the church's cameras, breaking windows and doors haphazardly with what looks like to be a hammer and possible crowbar. The suspect did not carry bags with them, so most people believe the intention was not a burglar at all. In fact, the police said everything seemed to be taken from the property. <coughs> said that nothing seemed to be taken from the property. And it is widely believed that Kaylor smashed some windows and broke into a few locker rooms to stage the scene as a burglary gone wrong. Since the suspect was fully disguised in tactical clothing, with helmet and all, as well as the time this took place, the murder was likely premeditated. Someone knew Missy would be in the church early in the morning setting up for her workout. But how would anyone know when and where this woman would be at any given time, apart from members of the class, close friends, and family? And that's where social media comes in. As we all know, the digital age promotes less and less privacy as time moves forward. Find yourselves at a great restaurant or movie screening at a local theater? Why not check in and let everyone know what you're up to? Missy Bevers was very active on social media, even posting about now canceling the workout due to bad weather the night before her tragic death. The fact is, Missy could have been targeted by numerous individuals leading up to that fateful day in April. But ultimately, like in any investigation, there's always a core group of suspects to look into first, and ultimately clear. So let's try to do just that, see if we can narrow down some of the most popular theories 
from pretty much all true crime movies and TV shows, you always hear the same thing. If a woman is killed, 90% of the time the spouse did it, and vice versa. Well, let's go ahead and start with our first potential suspect. Brandon Bevers was Missy's husband and the father of Missy's three children. Right after the bat, Brandon was 600 miles away during the time of the murder, going on a fishing trip in Mississippi. Cell phone tower data, flight records aligned with improved his alibi was legit. If you look at the killer walking around the church and compare the build and body type to Brandon, it's pretty clear they are not the same. Continuing on, however, we should discuss a little bit of info that came to light. As a result of multiple search warrants and a progressing investigation, police contacted Brandon and notified him that his wife was found deceased in Creekside Church by his own statement. Brandon never asked investigators what happened to her, which is interesting to say the least, because I think most people would agree the first thing they would say in response to such news is what happened. I mean, this is just me personally, but... I am also already on the phone calling, asking questions. But think to yourself how you might react to the news of your physically fit, healthy spouse being found murdered. While you're in an understate fishing, moving forward, Brandon Bevers never shied away from the press. You can watch multiple interviews with, with him, his father, and reporters right before. <coughs> or right here on YouTube. In fact, while talking to the press, Brandon was told by the media the police had just released in a search warrant Missy's cause of death, to which Brandon replied with something like, Don't tell me, that will put me over the edge. Police never told him exact details of what happened. The reason for this is called culpable knowledge, information only the killer would know. This is important because when detectives interview suspects, any small details they receive from the party being questioned that was not released to the public this person shouldn't know those certain details point to the possibility of a suspect they have more involvement than they are admitting to police police found evidence of not only financial issues in the beavers or bevers household but also marital problems for example a message sent to missy on linkedin that investigators examined see the familiar and flirtatious suggesting that missy may have had one or multiple affairs and the same has been theorized about Brandon. One thing that could prove important to the case is what Brandon told police he said he knew Missy was having an affair with a man named Kevin. Now anytime there's a question of infidelity in a relationship and someone in that circle winds up dead from foul play, numerous additional suspects pop up immediately to be a suspect in a murder case. Law enforcement examines who has motive, if it's possible the victim had an affair, that not only the victim's spouse has a reason to be compelled to kill, but also the alleged person that victim was in a relationship with as well. Is any other spouse or partner to that person? If what Brandon said to authorities was true about Missy having an affair, could not only implicate himself, but multiple new suspects. Now some of you are probably saying, well, it wasn't some woman in the tactical gear killing Missy. It was definitely a man. This is where opinions collide. Detectives from the local police department originally believed the killer to be a man. Then some pointed to the killer's unique gait, way of walking, <coughs> excuse me, 
others have said the suspect looks too comfortable awaiting their target inside the church, walking in slow pace, knowing they have some time to kill before Missy would arrive. As of 2020, police still do not have a lock on whether the killer is a man or a woman. And to the police, it's 50-50. While the police have additional video of both the suspect and Missy inside the church, the public has only seen two minutes of this short surveillance. Rounds really windows of mystery lights in the parking lot, and it didn't take long for viewers to establish similarities between the killer's unique gate and the gate of father-in-law Randy Beavers. Beavers. Randy stated two famous dogs got into a fight in his wife's travel. Travel on. Both Randy and his wife's clothing were right. some of the dog's uh, blood on it. Now that's all they really say. Police talked to the Bevers primary vet and confirmed that he did in fact bring his dog in. When forensics collected the shirts, they found that the blood was not human, but rather animal in origin. Also, police have confirmed Randy Bevers was out of the state during the time of the murder. Although both father and son are not being looked at as suspects, it is quite coincidence that they were both on trips and away from Texas during the murder to many people. This could suggest the killer was aware of at least anything out of town. And if Missy was targeted, having the husband away could present more of an opportunity to carry out the attack. Or it could suggest there's something more to the husband and father-in-law going out of town, possibly to have a solid alibi when they would inevitably be questioned by law enforcement. The second scenario would be likely a case of a hired hit paying someone to kill the victim being so far away from the scene. The accomplices would never be charged with the crime. Now, I'm not saying that I believe Brandon and Randy had any knowledge of what would happen to Missy, but we have to look at the case like a detective would. And if not for their solid alibis, they wouldn't be uh, difficult to come to the assumption a husband who finds out his spouse is cheating on him could be compelled to have her killed. Many people have been murdered for a lot less. Now, since the police didn't have much to go on other than what little surveillance footage they had, investigators analyzed the video and initially told Brandon they believed the killer to be around six feet tall. This would <clears throat> this would point to the suspect being a man, as it is rather rare for a woman to be that tall. But here's where it all gets crazy. After additional analysis, the police narrowed down the suspect's height to a range between 5'7 and 5'9. Then they changed their approximation from 5'2 to 5'7. So the question is now, how tall is this person really? First, the husband is tall 6 feet. Four years later, it's 5'2. And then 5'7. Why can't we get a more narrow margin? Apparently, most doors range from 6'8 to 7 feet tall. When you look at the footage, what would you estimate is the killer's height? If you could get a lock on an accurate height, this case may already be solved. I mean, the church still exists. How hard would it be for MPD or even the FBI to measure these doors and get a more accurate description of the suspect? So without any, having any idea how tall this person is, all we know for sure is the killer is of white complexion and has a distinct gait. News media covered this story 
extreme emphasis on Killer's gate is what else did they really have to speculate on during Missy's memorial held at the Creekside Church the press was filming and obviously covering the progression of the case the church had hired extra security from another local church due to the volume of attention the area was getting because of the crime one security guard was filmed patrolling the parking lot during the memorial service began focusing on was the man's gate. When the public turned on their TVs and saw the switch, numerous calls started coming in, asking the police to look into them as man as a potential suspect. When authorities looked into it, they discovered their focus on this man as a prime suspect, Bobby Wayne Henry, a former police officer and security guard at the local church. Henry was white, complexion had a similar build, and walked with his right foot positioned outward much like the suspects seen on surveillance footage. Now, if you're thinking authorities are really scraping the bottom of the barrel with this one, buckle up, because it's about to get very spooky. Looking into Bobby's past, police discovered not only was he once in law enforcement, specifically he was a tactical officer who wore similar gear to the clothing we can see on the killer, and the reason Bobby wasn't still an officer in the law was because he actually got his license revoked in 2003. His former mother-in-law claimed he was sexually assaulting her while brandishing a firearm. The case never went to trial, and Bobby Wayne Henry ended up getting the deferred injunction, injunction which ultimately cost him his career as a police officer, but kept his criminal record clean with no convictions Years earlier, he was actually charged with another sexual assault, this time from a stepsister. The alleged assault happened in a near-identical way, brandishing a firearm and putting a gun to her head. This case would go to trial, and in a testimony from the stepmother, she alleged he once did the same thing to her. Even with the testimony, Henry was ultimately acquitted of the crime, and once again, maintained a clean record. Bobby Wayne Henry hasn't had the most glamorous past. It wasn't just the sexual assault claims, the claims that had recent treat. Bobby is allegedly known to have a few tall tales that he has shared on more than one occasion. He's claimed he was a Navy SEAL, in fact a former member of the U.S. Navy, but no evidence has ever been shown to prove he was a SEAL. Having been in the U.S. military, wouldn't sure raise some red flags. However, being in a military family, stolen valor is not uncommon as you think. I mean, you don't even need to be associated with law enforcement or the military to do something like this. Every day, millions of people on social media present a false persona, a fake lifestyle for others to either envy or get a certain kind of reaction. Bobby Wayne Henry allegedly also told of how an ex-girlfriend was killed in the line of duty, serving in either the Canadian military while working as an undercover cop. Apparently the girlfriend's occupation changed depending on who Bobby told the story to, just like the Navy SEAL experience. There's no evidence of this ever happening. However, one thing that we do know is factual is when a judge signed off on a search warrant for Henry's home in relation to the Bevers case, they collected data on cell phones and computers, which ended up with police finding what they classify as child porn. 
Henry was arrested and held in jail for around 70 days. Contrary to popular belief, he was not arrested in relation to the Bevers case. And at the conclusion of investigation looking at Bobby Wayne as a suspect, he ultimately moved on from him as main focus. He did have an interesting alibi during the time of the murder. However, he said he woke up at 3 a.m. that morning to feed his newborn while his wife was getting ready to work. Out of the three people we've talked about in this case, Bobby Wayne Henry admits he was awake during this, the time of Missy's attack. He wasn't out of state like Brandon or Randy. We're proven to be so. It's just interesting how many things line up in this man's past to potentially be connected to this unsolved murder. Police and the FBI are not focused on any of these three people as suspects at this time, so no matter what you believe in the truth, some information that the authorities have that we don't must be pointing to them in a certain direction, and the reason we as the public don't have more information is because law enforcement is holding their cards close to their chest. They only have one shot to convict the person they believe to be the killer, and to go to trial, prosecutors must show this person is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. They likely have run out of hot leads in the case and are waiting for someone to give them information about the crime that hasn't been released to the public, aka culpable knowledge implicating that person as having involvement with the murder. Regardless, though, it's been years, and this case is still unsolved. Thank you for watching this episode, or listening to this episode, depending on how you're accessing it right now. Um, visit us on Twitter at True Crime NS. Leave a comment in the section below. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let us know your thoughts in the comment section below. What do you think happened? Do you think we'll ever figure out the truth? And we'll see you tomorrow for another episode of True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.